Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another amazing episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Teresa Kitchens, your host, and today I'm with Charlotte Hicks. I've known Charlotte for years, and we are excited because now she is working with insurance companies and different businesses on marketing, branding, strategy, and she is teaching and loving on the industry in areas of her expertise and knowledge. And she has really taken an amazing career in the insurance space, and she's really grown into being able to share that love of so many different aspects of that. We're going to go into it and all the details but with other people throughout the industry. So Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here with you. So Charlotte, you and I met in another coaching program. I don't even know how many years ago. Is that like eight to 10 years ago? I mean, it was a while ago. And um, you were at that point kind of transitioning from agency life, from the insurance agency life into kind of doing some new things. So tell me a little bit about your background in insurance, how you got started, and tell me a little bit about where that puts you today. All right. Well, I have a, a very sordid past. So uh, I actually grew up as an insurance family. My grandfather started an insurance agency then that my dad ended up running later. Nice. Um, I thought I was going to do something else. So I went off and I worked for, people may remember, Electronic Data Systems. It was founded by Ross Perot. Yeah, EDS. actually worked there as a systems engineer and then transitioned, went back, got my master's in accounting, became a tax accountant for EDS for years. Wow. So yeah, programmer, tax accountant, all the you know, super high personality um, <laughs> careers. And then my dad contacted me and said, you know, it's time for me to make a decision. I'm either going to sell the agency or you can come back and take it over. So I thought, it'd be crazy for me not to take advantage of this. Um, as much as I, I actually really loved being in corporate tax, because what I did was more legal than tax work. Honestly, I mean, a lot of it was tax research, but I thought, you know, this is such a great opportunity. And I went back, I was in Dallas, went back to North Carolina and took over the insurance agency and you know, really had a lot of great opportunities there and became a board member and eventually president of the Independent Insurance Agents of North Carolina, which was absolutely a blast. And I got to know a lot of agents across the country then. I was also vice president of one of the agency management system user groups. Nice. So again, you know, got a, a chance to meet a lot of great agents. I mean, they're just fantastic people in the industry. There's just, I, I don't know that I've run to an industry with so many wonderful people in it. And I had the opportunity after a while that a company came and says, we'd like to buy out your agency. And I stayed with them, but I had already started doing some consulting and I really enjoyed the consulting because I'm a problem solver and I like challenges and I like I like new. I'm a what's next person, I say a lot of times. So yeah, I stayed on for a while to help that transition. And then eventually just went full time into consulting, which has actually morphed into more of coaching. Okay. So I do marketing coaching. I don't come in and tell a company what to do. I come in and help them create a marketing system that'll tame their chaos and help them produce profitable oh, customers. You're speaking my language there though, Charlotte, tame their chaos, because that <laughs> is, I think what a lot of people feel is that we walk in the door every day and it's, you know, we're on demand or wherever people are pulling us. 
you know, whoever's yelling the loudest, whoever's most urgent, whoever's most blank, right? Fill in the blank. We never know what the day's going to hold because when our phone rings, it could be something completely new and different than it was five minutes ago. Right. Yeah. There's a reason there are no consultants that help you create chaos because you can do it all on your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Human beings are good with that, aren't they? We, we really are. And the other arm of what I do is that I do still do a lot of insurance instruction. So I teach a lot of flood insurance. It's kind of a passion for me to educate people about flood insurance and teach some other classes for the National Alliance and Department of Insurance and some others. And I do actually sit on an insurance company board now as well, which I, I enjoy seeing things from that level. Yeah. Yeah. So you are working with the National Alliance doing some some flood work. Let's talk about that a little bit, because mm -hmm. flood insurance is probably, in my opinion, one of the most needed yet underserved areas of the insurance product space like people a lot of agents you know we're required to have what two three hours for our for our continuing ed but beyond that we don't take the time to stay up on flood what's going on you know what is really where does flood apply where does it not um and then what are in the zones and what does that mean if there is a flood you know it's something that a lot of us kind of sell with the understanding that, you know, it's not an everyday claim. So it's one of those things where we don't think we're ever going to have to make a claim on it, but we do. And it gets mm -hmm. very, um, I don't know that a lot of agents know how to really explain flood correctly to their clients. What are you seeing out there in your flood education with that? Yeah, well, the, the, I tell the class that I have one learning objective for them. It's that everyone is in a flood zone mm. because that is the, first thing that people make the assumption, especially if they're buying a property, it says, oh, it's not in the flood zone. Well, actually it is in a flood zone. It's not in the high hazard zone. As I say, everyone's in a flood zone, your level of risk varies. And that one message can make a huge difference. Yeah. And one of the things I encourage all insurance agents to do is to offer flood coverage with every property policy. Educate your customers on flood, you know, show them the map, show them how the flood could happen. You know, I've, I've had agents, I had an agent show me a picture in a class one time. He says, this is my agency. It's three feet underwater and I'm a mile away from any body of water. Oh. And it's because the storm system couldn't pull the water away because the, the rains were so heavy. It's like, if it rains where you live, you could have a flood risk. Yeah. You know, there, and there certainly are people that are in a place where their risk is very, very, very low. And it might make sense to retain that risk. I'm not saying that every human being needs to buy it but every human being needs to know what their risk is. So they have the opportunity to make a wise decision. We can't force people to make wise decisions on any of their coverage. As you're well aware, you've advised True. clients. That's why we have them sign the form to say, I offered this to you and you declined it. Yep. If you ever change your mind, you know, and in every renewal say, did you change your mind? <laughs> Do you, you know, we've still got this. And I've had people buy flood insurance after three or four renewals and they finally bought it and then they had a flood. You know, so they were pretty grateful that they had bought it. And yeah. uh, I you think it's those things nobody, like I said, nobody, nobody thinks they're going to have a flood claim until they do. And then when they do, there's no going back. There's no other way around it. I know. I mean, I hear in Florida, you know, because I'm part of the an Insurance Agents Owners Alliance, the IAOA mm -hmm. group. And <clears throat> with that, I know that there are, then in Florida, even in high flood areas, there were people who had no flood insurance when hurricanes came through this past year and their homes were denied coverage under a standard homeowner's pro uh, policy. And 
I know that agents know that home insurance doesn't cover flood, <clears throat> but they don't realize how much that could really truly impact their clients until something right, happens. Right. You know what I mean? And we don't want to be on the other end of that E&O saying, hey, this person needed it. Now their home is completely toast, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we don't have any coverage. Nobody wants right. There were counties that were hit by the flooding rains from Ian that had just a handful of flood policies in the whole county. I mean, it was it was awful. Yeah, um, uh, it's really shocking. And you know, we do have really heavy rains associated with tropical systems, but we also just heavy heavy rains. I mean, this year California is perfect setup for really severe flooding with the snowpack that they've got. Um, and then if you get a, a low pressure system that gets decoupled from a front and it just sits there and rains and rains and rains, you know, you live in a part of the country where you can have flooding rains that it'd be really, really dry. And then you get this huge rainstorm and all of a sudden you've got flooding. Yep. And we have flash flooding here in Dallas because the sewers mm -hmm. can't, you know, can't, can't get rid of the rain fast enough. We just can't. And I mean, you know, back and I don't remember it recently as much. Maybe they fixed a couple things. But back, uh, probably when you lived in Dallas, because <clears throat> it was back when you and I knew each other in the past life, whatever, but there were certain highways that would go low and mm -hmm. they would flood and people's cars would get stuck and people would die in these flooded areas because it was just like a dip in the um, road or in the mm -hmm. landscape, if you will, to where water just pooled in that space from all over. and. I mean, it got really, really dangerous. And that's in Dallas. I mean, that's not even, you know, we're not even coastal. We're not near, right? Coast, right? Like we're smack dab in the middle of one of the, outside of Alaska, the physically largest, you know, state. And mm -hmm. here we are, you know, flooding. And I know even a couple of years ago, um, a very unique situation, but there was a water main that broke, I think in uh, Fort Worth or Arlington. And it was like the day before Thanksgiving or something like that. And uh, the water main broke and flooded like five houses on the mm -hmm. street area. And they were saying that flood insurance. And I'm like, these people don't have flood. I can almost guarantee right. people do not have flood insurance, you know, kind mm -hmm. of. It was a water main from the city. I'm hoping the city took care of it. That's my hope. I would, I would hope. <laughs> but you don't know, right? I mean, the right. Time, that would be rising water. That's your water for flood. You know, they get, yeah. like, oh, flood will pay for it. I'm like, well, I hope that the city pays for it. But you never know. But these homes were like, two, three feet up into like mm -hmm. sewer stuff. There was, cause it was a, it was a water line, sewer line. So I can't remember exactly which that broke, but I mean, it wasn't a pretty site. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and with flood insurance, the thing is, is that you win as an agent because then, you know, you've got a customer that's more likely to stay with you because if they have a loss, their loss is covered. You know, you, the more, you, you know, the more policies they have, the more likely they are to remain a customer. So it's a more valuable customer for you. Your customer wins because then they don't have to worry about an uncovered loss if that does happen. And the community wins because you don't have all of these people that are there that can't rebuild their homes yeah. or are dependent on public assistance just to survive. And one final statistic is that 98% of the people in the United States live in the county that has experienced a flood disaster. Oh, wow. So to think that it's just a coastal issue or it's just an issue along the riverine areas of the country. It's not. There's there's issues all over the country. So Wow. Wow. Ninety-eight percent of people live in a county where there's been a flood uh disaster. A flood mm -hmm. disaster. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a really high number. <laughs> <laughs> really, really, really high number.
necessary number. That's kind of right. Because it's not just rising water. It's also if you're on in the mountains, you've got the um, the mud flow that comes down the mountain. If you got water coming down the side of an incline, that's also considered flood. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. And like you said, people don't think either that either that like these these areas that gets lots and lots and lots of snow, like Tahoe and Mammoth and all that, are getting a ton at the Sierra Nevada Mountains right now. They've gotten over what seven hundred twenty inches of snow, something like like seven hundred fifty inches of snow this year, I think something like that. Inches of snow. Yeah, yeah, a lot. And when it melts, because it will melt at some point, and they're already seeing part of it melting in the lower mm -hmm. end of the mountains. But when it does, it's going to flood the southern basin of California. We're already seeing it now in certain areas. I can only imagine what this is going to be like this spring. So that's another area that I don't think people think of. They think, mm -hmm. oh, well, I'm so far from the, the water, especially California, right? They think, oh, I'm hours from the beach, right? Or hours from the coast. But the reality is this comes down from the mountains and it's just everywhere. I mean, it's just water yeah. at that point. And it doesn't take much time to add a flood quote to a presentation that you're giving the customer. You know, here's here's what the flood coverage would be. You know, it just offer it to them. Yeah. You know, it's just part it's part of being to me, being a responsible and being a good agent, watching out for your customer. Yeah. You know, yeah, I completely agree. And it's not that expensive. I mean, if you're not in a in a higher flood zone, I mean the, the, the coverage itself is usually a couple hundred bucks a year. And I don't I'm not gonna go into how much because every area is different. Da 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 I mean I totally get it. A lot of it's changed has gone from elevation, from distance from water, all that's kind of changed for some of their their gauging and so forth. But you know, if, if people are not in a high risk flood zone, it's not typically a huge policy to to get people financially to commit to. It's it's not a nothing policy, don't get me wrong. But it's not like it's going to be four thousand dollars a year, you know. I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty low entry for the concept of making sure that you have that peace of mind. Okay, so mm -hmm. yeah, it definitely. Those that have had a flood loss are always grateful that they had flood insurance. Oh. <laughs> I've never heard anyone that had a flood loss say, "Oh, it was a waste of my money to pay for flood insurance." Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you're also doing branding. So tell me a little bit about that because I know that. The big part of, of helping uh, people with their branding is is getting to know them a little bit and it's being mm -hmm. able to get their name and their information out there. Tell me a little bit about why you're so passionate about this and then tell me a little bit about what you're doing for your clients in those areas. Well, I had worked for several years and um, taught copywriting, actually, um, you know, marketing people. That's not the legal patent and copyright office. That's how to write marketing copy and how to have messaging around your company. And the thing is, is that you know, especially in the insurance industry, there's a whole lot of sameness. Mm -hmm. I can pull up 20 insurance websites and you think it's the same company, the same yeah. agency, because they all say exactly the same thing. And it's really important for people to understand why you're different and why they should do business with you and what is unique about you. And that's your brand message. And you mm -hmm. need to communicate that from the very beginning to the very end, are you a very formal company or, or are you a more friendly and warm and casual company? Both are fine, but you need to commit to one or the other. Yeah. You know, are you particularly focused in one line of business? You know, I, I know of an agency where they do lots, I think probably almost all the zip line courses around the country. Wow. That's one of, one of their specialties. And, you know, so there's a lot that they do around that. And then they've, they've kind of gotten into the whole adventure sports area. Well, um, that's a different personality from a company that says we specialize in medical malpractice or we yeah. specialize in 
accountants or banking or something else um, like that. So I think it's really important to know who you want to serve and how you want to serve them. Well, what's your natural voice? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not a stuffy person. When I talk with people, I talk very down to earth. You know, when I teach a flood class or a marketing class or anything else like that, I'm like, okay, guys, here's the real scoop. Here's the dirt. Let's not make this pretty. Here's what we're really dealing with. And there are people that don't want to do business that way. So they're going to have a different voice than I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are people that, you know, maybe there's a, an agency that just absolutely loves. In fact, I know of one that loves Alabama. You know, they're Crimson right. Tide all the way. Yeah. And you know it as soon as you walk in their agency. Well, that's fine. That's a way that identifies them that's maybe different than the person down the street who just says the same, same thing. You know, we're a family-owned agency. Well, there's just thousands of those around the country. Give me a little bit more. Yep, yep. So yeah. how, do you help, how do you help an agency determine their voice? Because I think that as a business owner, I don't think about that as much, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, I think about the culture of our agency, and I think about how to be able to create a great experience for our, our team, and, and I think about how to be able to create a great experience for my clients, and I think about, you know, words that we want to use that, that comfort the client. Like, I have a big pet peeve. Everybody knows I have a big pet peeve with no problem. I hate the words, no problem. If somebody brings me a water or a uh, whatever, if I'm eating out and I say, thank you very much, and they say, no problem, I don't like that. It's not a problem. It's our pleasure to be able to serve other people. It's never a problem to be able to do our job and to do it well and to be able to serve the people who who are our clients and the people that are in our circles. And so I have very explicit um, guidelines for my team. But when it talk when it comes down to like an outside uh, brand, I don't Mm -hmm. think about that a whole lot. How do you help agents or agency owners or team members? To help define that voice, like what you said, that individual voice that maybe will help them to stand out in their community. Well, you, you mentioned some of that. And it's interesting that you say that, you know, no problem. There, you know, that's definitely what a lot of people say. But think about Chick-fil-A. If you ever get anything for Chick-fil-A and you say thank you, how do they respond? My pleasure. Every single person, every single time. Yeah. And if you hire someone that used to work for Chick-fil-A and you tell them thank you, it comes out of their mouth without thinking, my pleasure. Yep. <laughs> and it's awesome because that is part of their brand message is that we're here to serve you. Yes. And, you know, and we're here and we're happy you're here. And so, but what I do to, to get to your question about helping people refine their voice, it's like, what's your normal personality? Mm-hmm. And what type of clients are your ideal clients that you really like to serve? If your key clients are in the construction industry, if you're doing general contractors and you're doing artisans and you're doing people like that, you're going to have naturally a different voice than someone who is serving large corporations right. that are expecting a certain thing. And so, and you have to be comfortable doing that. I mean, if you're, one of those people that loves those kind of conversations that contractors have, which is very practical and down to earth and but no also fluff. Very detailed, you know, very, um, you know, they like to talk about their, you know, the tools and the way that they do things. It's also very specific, you know, but they are very right. people. Yeah. So it, it's really talking with a company to say, first of all, with your 
top leadership, you know, the owners, owner or owners, what is their personality and, and how are they comfortable conducting themselves? Because if they're not authentic, that flows all the way down. You yeah. can't pretend to be someone you're not. Right. And then it's like, who are you serving? And how did, how did, what did they need to hear in order to feel comfortable trusting you with their business, their home, their family? I mean, it, it's the most valuable things that they have other than their family relationships. Right. And even there, you know, if you're selling them life insurance and health insurance, it's also those family relationships that you're helping them maintain, keeping that family from financial ruin. So it's really your personality and what you like meshed with who are you really serving and, and what do they, how do they respond? What kind of people do you want? You know, do you want an agency where people come in and they leave? It's like, that was the most fun I've ever had an insurance agency. You know, there's some people who just naturally really quiet and chipper. There are people that will adopt a particular um, analogy or metaphor for their agency or for their business. For me, I tie a lot to sailing because I also am a race committee. I do a lot with race management and run race sailing races. And I've sailed all my life. So mm -hmm. I see a lot of analogies and a lot of ways you can explain a business concept through sailing and okay. charting courses and you know rough seas and things like that. And so it's a natural way to add to my brand voice to wrap it with that metaphor. And in, with agencies, you can do that as well, whether it's a football team, whether it's some other type of metaphor, whether it's just, you know, coming to see us is like going on to a Caribbean island, you know, and the whole place. I've seen agencies that, you know, are very, they decorate themselves. They wear Hawaiian shirts. You know, they actually make an experience to come see them. I like that. I like because that. it matches their clientele and there are other agencies where it's really, really high customer service, but it's high end luxury service. Yeah. You know, if you're dealing like if you're if you're selling insurance for, you know, hundred million dollar yachts, you're going to have a different feel in that agency. You know, those, those high value customers, you know, they come in and they get an espresso or they you know come in and you've got a very plush, comfortable waiting area or they have concierge service as far as being able to reach someone at any hour of the day, because that's what that clientele expects. Yeah. And that can be your brand. Mm -hmm. So. I like that. The, I like that. And everyone, everyone has a unique background <laughs> and unique experiences and can bring out something that's different. You know, we don't have to have 20 agencies in a city that are exactly the same. They're just on different streets. Right. You know, well, this one was founded in 1923. Well, I was founded in 1932. Well, I was founded in 1917. It's like, who cares? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> what, what can you do for me today? You know? True. True. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. CAS Certified.
So when people define their brand and when they when they get through that part and they say, okay, we want to be identified as, and I love the idea of the Hawaiian shirts, make everybody have a great time when they come in, you know, that kind of thing. Um, how how do how do people kind of put that in motion after that part? Because I think that, you know, it's it's such a consistent thing to be able to keep up with marketing. Sometimes people feel like they are they're gonna run out of you know, ideas, or they're going to run out of words to use, right? They're going to be repeating themselves to such a level. How do you help to be able to keep the the content? And what is kind of your process with that, the keeping it fresh? So a couple of things there. One is you said the word consistency, and that is what's re- that's one thing that's really important is once that you have that brand voice and brand message defined, it's being consistent about it. And you think that people get tired of hearing the same thing over and over, but um, as my friend Casey Demchek says, repetition breeds reputation. Mm-hmm. So you get your, you know, they, it's like it's like McDonald's. Has McDonald's tired of what they do? Has Chick Fil A tired of what they their message? No, and it actually deepens the loyalty when you do have that repetition of your brand message and carrying that through all of your marketing and and making sure that you know this is where. Having good systems and processes in your agency matters, um, marketing systems as well as operational systems, because then you can make sure that your customer does get that consistency. If part of your message is, we really script the customer experience when you interact with us, then you want every single customer experience to follow that script. And that's what your your systems and processes can do for you to make sure that you are having that consistency. And your messaging, it's funny, um, a lot more people die from drowning in ideas than from the um, drought of ideas. Really? Because okay. truly an entrepreneur, you know, once you start having those conversations, you, you, you see things out in the world. You know, prime example right now is we've just seen a really, really large brand of beer choose a spokesperson for their beer. That was out of congruity with their core demographic that drinks their beer. And they've had huge losses because of that. Now, do they have the right to say, this is who we want our spokesperson to be? And this is the market that we want to pursue? Absolutely, 100%. But understand that if you've already got a market, if it's not just a slight pivot or a slight shift, you're likely going to shut down that old market and before you can build the new one. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not opining on whether they should or shouldn't have done it. I think it, they probably could have done a better job right. of realizing what that would mean because yeah. they weren't being, didn't have a congruent message and a consistent message. Um, they, they just had too big of a change of that message all of a sudden. Yeah, and it it didn't go well. And you know, certainly Mm -hmm. I've seen other businesses do the same thing. But there's an example. I could probably write easily write a blog post about that. You know, that one thing that's going on in the world. And you start seeing things that you can talk to people about. Of course, as an agent, you see claims. Oh my gosh, everywhere. Here's a claim (laughs) that happened. It's. I mean, you Mm -hmm. think you've seen everything, and then somehow people do something even weirder. (laughs) Even weirder. I like that. So, you know, here's here's another example of something that we never would have you know, talked about when we were selling this coverage. But thank goodness they had it because this happened. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know? 
Absolutely. So honestly, you know, just being aware and watching what's going on in the world and the questions you get from customers are great, great content mm -hmm. for people. And so I think the, the most people don't run out of ideas. They get overwhelmed by the amount of things that they could do. Interesting. And I can definitely see that. But I think it's like whenever we do something, whenever we take a chance and we learn something and we get to where all of a sudden our mind opens up, then all of a sudden those ideas come to us. Sometimes it doesn't come in the beginning. Sometimes it doesn't come right away. It takes a little bit of time and then going, oh, well, that was received really well. And oh, that one was received really well. And oh, I did a whatever live about whatever. And oh, that was received well. I think we get out there, we practice it. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. we start seeing more and more and more. You know, I'm not one who likes to take a picture of my food and, you know, hey, I'm eating here. But at the same point, sometimes that's interesting. And I'll sit back and I'll go, oh, that looks really good. Hey, I'll tell my husband, you know, hey, Let's go check out whatever restaurant, you know, but it, too much of that is too much, right? Like too mm -hmm. much. Like I don't want to know what everybody's eating every single day, right? There used to be a joke on Facebook, you know, what are you eating tonight? Because everybody was posting and tagging themselves right. and wherever it was that they were eating for the night. But now people are doing more. They're, they're doing a whole lot more. But I think getting into the habit and watching yourself kind of look for ideas, um, mm -hmm. then those ideas come. And I think we need to have the confidence that all around us are ideas for being able to connect with other people on socials, medias, and you know all the different areas of all that. But we sometimes we have to just take one step, and the next step automatically will appear, and it gets easier right. as time goes on. You know. Well, and we also now have the tool of Chat GPT, which is a great tool for ideation. So yes. if you need ideas about, you know, if you know who your customer is. And you know what their problems are in the product that you, or service that you provide, you can go into the free version of Chat GPT and say, here's my product or service, here's my customer, give me some ideas of what to write about. And it'll come up, you know, I need 10 ideas. It'll come up with them. It'll come up with some headlines for you. Yeah. You know, it can get you started. So use those tools. You mm -hmm. know, they're valuable. I like that. I like that. So are you seeing success with just helping out with Chat GPT? I know people love it. I've only tried out the, the free version. I know my husband's played around with it a little bit too. What are you finding is our tools that people can maybe take some of the load off, right? Of having, like you mm -hmm. said, the fact you brought up the chat GPT to help bring up just topics. Cause I never would have thought about that because I only mm -hmm. think about it as, um, I think I went on there and I said, explain home insurance as if you're micro, right? Or something like that. Or, you know, and um, and it did this little thing in the perfect micro voice, you know, and I thought it was right, right. You know? But I would never have thought about it to go to Chat GPT for ideas on what to be able to create content about. That's a really great idea. Yeah, it is particularly strong there and it can do a really good job of generating, you know, like your email subject lines or headlines for an article. Um, for the actual writing of articles, or, you know, if you're writing an article or even social media posts, a lot of times I'm hearing that Bard, um, which is Google's version, AI, mm -hmm. um, Jasper or mm -hmm. Content at Scale are all doing a, a little better job on the article writing and, okay. and blog writing. And a lot of times, you know, people put something really vague in there and they say, well, this is very vanilla when it comes out. It's like because you put something really vague in there. So you can go through that and you can. You know, it's a whole lot easier to edit than to write. Mm -hmm. So you can take what they wrote, you know, it generated and say, okay, now I'm going to jazz this up. I'm going to throw in some examples that I know from my experience. 
and I'm going to maybe re- reword things and you know in my own voice because it probably hasn't learned your voice yet. Yeah. If you haven't written a lot, you can't give it examples of your voice. But you've shortcut the process by a ton. So and that's the biggest thing that AI is doing for us right now is it's helping us do things faster in marketing. It's not replacing anything. It's helping us do it faster. I love that. I love that. And I think that's super important. People, not everybody wants to sit down and write a blog post or write an article or, I mean, you know, and I love I love your, what you're talking about, about putting in personal experiences and putting, seeing in the things that we've done and making it ours, making it. It might start with ChatGPT or Jasper or mm-hmm. These other systems, but we can still take it, edit it, and make it ours, and it'll still save us tons of time. You know, probably. I mean, I don't know. It depends on people's writing abilities and their writing mm-hmm. frequency and how they. But again, it's kind of like what we talked about about seeing social media options online. Is that it's the same thing with blog posts. Once you start, and once you start kind of finding a voice and getting used to writing a blog post, all of a sudden they kind of start coming a whole lot easier because. You create that voice, you create that, um, I'm not gonna use the word pattern, but it is kind of, sort of, you kind of create your flow, right? Your process. Mm -hmm. And then with that, it doesn't become scary anymore. I mean, I've heard people say, go online, make one video every morning and write one blog every morning, or use your video to create a blog, like use rev.com or something like that. Mm -hmm. But do one video a day and they, they may stop. They may totally stink at the very beginning. But if you just go ahead and you keep at it, you're gonna find, kind of a, a mojo and then it kind of grows nobody walks up and they're just a, a video blogger or or whatever just immediately off the top but we all think that these things on youtube or wherever it is that people have these famous you know blogs at or conversations mm-hmm. online, we all think that it happened overnight but it didn't these people have no. gone through and practiced and practiced and found their voice and people just need to take a chance to try it i mean i speak but not myself i don't make videos on or anything like that like i should so I'm speaking to myself here. I'm speaking to the choir. So, <laughs> but again, you can choose your media. What works for you? Yeah. You know, if you're like, I just absolutely am not going to do videos. Okay. Well, there are actually ways to create videos now using AI uh-huh. where your voice can be there and it will come up with the scenes and the pictures and things that you're talking about. Nice. So again, there's tools out there that will help you produce what you want to. There's tools to take a video and split it up into to smaller snippets. It can do that with a podcast. You know, you can repurpose so much stuff. You know, your podcast can be lots of social media snippets. Your blog post can be lots of social media snippets. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a place where AI can help you. You can say, here's my blog post, create five social media posts for me. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. You know, let it do the work. I love that. I love that. Do you find that that stuff does as well online as the stuff that people personally generate? Like, do people bond with it as much? I mean, how how was that received online usually? If the prompts are done well, and this is where you're seeing a whole nother industry now of prompt engineering, of teaching people how to tell exactly what you need. And if they'll take the time to make sure it is in their voice, um, I'm seeing some excellent posts. You can't tell the difference from wow. what was generated and you know, then if someone had done it completely from scratch themselves. And we've now seen that the Google and others are saying, we're not, we're, you know, we are going to consider this as good a content as anything else. What they want is they want people to stay on the page, right? Yeah, yeah ultimately. And if it helps, if people are willing to read it and they, they are, we're not, we're seeing that 
if people are getting valuable information or getting something that's entertaining or getting something that they want to read, they're going to read it. They don't care. This is back. It, it's very similar to the days of when calculators came out mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, well, you know, we, everybody ought to always do, you know, long, you know, long, long math by hand, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and calculators were these horrible things, but no, it just lets you do math faster, <laughs> you know, and people got to the point where they were confident that if they put a string of numbers into the calculator, they got the right answer. Right as opposed to doing it by hand. And it's the same thing with AI and words. You've just got to get to the point where you're confident that it's going to give you the right answer. And you know, you can read what it puts out. You think, ah, that's not quite what I want to say, or that's not quite it. And over time, I'm certainly, I mean, you can take courses and learn how to be a, you know, make better prompts and do better prompts. But you also just learn over time. It's free. Nobody's, you know, go in there and play with it and you know, see, you'll very quickly see, oh, if I say this, I get something really generic. But if I give it this information, I'm getting a lot more mm. specific, more applicable information. So yeah, just don't be scared of it. It's not going to hurt you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I love the fact that you're, you're talking about just really using things that are out there to be able to help us do it more efficiently, you know, mm-hmm. and be able to create more content because they do like they say content's king, right? Get out there, create good, decent content content, stuff that people want to be able to see, make it relevant and put it in your voice. And, but again, grow into it, right? Grow into it. You right. know, don't expect it to be just overnight. And I love that you're coaching people to help them find this process. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, part of, you know, that's, that definitely is uh, an aspect of it. You know, the coaching is helping them develop those marketing systems, knowing, you know, looking at the whole customer journey. I'm a digital marketer certified partner. So we use their frameworks. Um, there are eight steps of the customer value journey and making sure that what you're providing to a customer matches where they are in the journey. I tell the story. Last time I bought a car, I had made it, had done my research online, made a decision which car I was going to buy, was down to two. I was going to test drive two cars and choose one. I took my checkbook with me. I mean, I was going to buy a car. Yep, you're ready. And so I walk into dealership number one. And I say, this is what I'm looking for. And they're like, ah, oh, I'm not sure we got anything out of here. Take this car and go drive it. We're really busy right now. So they sent me out and I drove a car, brought it back. It's like, well, that's not exactly what I want. I'd like to sit down with somebody and see what it would be to order exactly the features that I want. Right. And they're like, well, we're really busy today with customers. Can you come back another time? Like I am a customer. And I'm like, no worries. So I left. And I actually did make an appointment. I left, went across the street to the other dealership. I walked in and I said, yeah, I'm interested in, you know, in this vehicle. And he said, well, do you, do you want to, what color do you want? And I started laughing because that's the first question they ask you when you're car shopping. Uh-huh. I was like, well, blue would be my first choice, but white my second. But here's really what I want. I want this model with these particular features, you know, in this package. And, and he goes, Oh, you're a buyer, aren't you? He, he didn't quite, he didn't say it that way, but he says, Oh, you know exactly what you want. I was like, I do. And he said, Well, hey, we've got a car on the lot that fits those specifications. And by the way, it's even blue. Let's go drive it. No way. So he went and drove it, you know, drove it with me and pointed different things out about the car. And I'm like, Okay, okay. And he very, he listened to what I said because mm-hmm. there were some things that he would mention. I'm like, Yeah, whatever. And then there were other things. I was like, Tell me more about that. Or that's a great feature. And he would lean into the things that I responded to because not everybody is going to care about the same thing with a car. Yeah. 
And we got back and he goes, well, what's next? And I said, uh, give me a good price and I'll write you a check. And he gave me a good price and I wrote him a check and walked out of there with a new car. And I wow. said, oh, you probably should take the guy across the street out to lunch because they helped you sell this car. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and when I called, I called that other dealership up to say, by the way, um, you can take me off your list because I bought the car across the street since you didn't have time for me because you didn't think I was a customer. I already bought my car and I don't even need your right. That's right. That's right. And what the problem is, is they didn't recognize where I was in the buyer's journey, mm. you know, and they didn't take me as a serious customer. They thought, oh, she's in that early awareness phase. She's just looking around. She's not a serious buyer. But when I walked into that second dealership and I knew the, the features I wanted on the car, I knew what I wanted. They're like, okay, no, you're at the convert stage. <laughs> you're, a, you're ready to buy. And you know that's important too, is to talk to people where they are in that process. And to, um, so we work on that uh, when we, we go that's through our coaching sessions, but yes, absolutely. How can we make this efficient? How can we get rid of all the chaos? Because so many times you go places and it's like, oh, you need to do video. You need to do podcast. You need to do a blog post every day. You need to do this every day. And you can't, you can't run a business and do all those things. Even if you have a marketing team, a marketing team can only do so much. Right. So, you, you know, what really makes the difference? What moves the needle? What gets people to take the next step? And that's what we want to focus on. And who cares if somebody else says you, you ought to be doing this? It's like, okay, yeah, I could be, but I'm going to do what's really working for me and only what's working for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like so. that. But that's part of knowing your culture and your brand or whatever and, and watching your numbers. What works for you, right? What do people respond to? What do they comment on? Maybe what do they like? What do they engage with? Um, but being an active participant, not just putting out content, not just random content, but content right. that plus I think, you know, your voice attracts a certain type of client. So mm -hmm. by being able to put it out there, you're going to get those ideal clients, hopefully, that you're really looking for so that you can convert good business, not just some business or any business, but good business. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I love yeah, you know, and. and any business, you know, can be successful. They just, like you said, have to listen to their customer, listen to their prospects, make sure they're meeting the problem that they have. Um, and that's part of the growth triad framework that we have is have that, that structure, that system, look at that customer journey, look at the tactics, the marketing initiatives that you're doing and have those analytics that you mentioned, yeah. measure what you're doing. So, you know, what's working, yep. you know, and then just double down on what works. Yes. And your life is better. Your customer's life is better and your business is more successful. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Well, Charlotte, if people want to reach out to you, talk to you about marketing or flood or whatever, because you are so awesome and you've been in the industry for, for a while, you've done worn so many hats and I love how many hats that you've really thrown yourself into loving the industry, being a part of the industry and helping agents to be better. So if people want to reach on out to you, how can they go ahead and connect with you? Well, of course, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Charlotte S. Hicks on LinkedIn. My business is Nowpreneur, which is like entrepreneur, but now because I am focused on what's working now in the future. So nowpreneur.com is my website and my email address is charlotte at nowpreneur.com. 
and would love to connect with your listeners. I know you've got a great group of people that love your podcast, and I'm you know, really excited to be, to be a part of it. Well, thank you, Charlotte. And I hope we get to be able to talk again soon. Hopefully it won't be quite as long, but we will definitely reconnect because I love the delving into marketing and I love that you're giving into back to the community too in an education space as well. So we'll have you back on the podcast. I appreciate you very much. Thank you, Teresa. It's good to be with you today. All right. Well, everybody, this is another amazing episode of the Power Women in Insurance podcast, where we talk to another amazing woman in the insurance space. And if you know of other amazing women, and if you would like for us to be able to share their story and talk about the awesome and amazing lessons that they've learned as they've gone throughout the industry, give me a call, DM, look me up, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever. I would love to be able to connect with another amazing woman every single week here on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts. Spotify, wherever you might be able to find us, check us out. And everybody, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.